Today's reading is taken from 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith love and holiness with propriety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Tavi. Um, one of the things about, one of the uh, things that uh, we're committed to at Shatin Church is to go through the whole Bible, even the difficult bits. I'm sure that many of you actually might not have heard a sermon uh, from this passage, because actually lectionaries normally skip it. Uh, most pastors, if they had a choice, might not want to preach from it. Um, but as we're going through First Timothy, we will go through it. But let's ask the Spirit to come and help us to read and understand uh, this text. Lord, we thank you so much that your word is living and active and all of your word is inspired by you. And Lord, would you give us the spirit to listen to your word carefully and that we might apply it and live it out in our lives. And we pray that the truth and only the truth of your word will be spoken and heard by your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could I ask how you might start or finish uh, these sentences? Um, men in Shatin Church are? Men in Shatin Church are? Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> men in Shatin Church are? Women in Shatin Church are? How would you finish these sentences? Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> um, women, in, women in Shatin Church are fantastic. Well, uh, Shatin Church is known for. 
well, last week we talked about how uh, God um, planted uh, through Paul this church in Ephesus, and it was going the wrong direction. And so Paul sends Timothy to correct its path, to for them to hold on to the faith and the uh, the the faith that, that that's been given um, to them, and not uh, be distracted by these new quote unquote and exciting quote unquote teaching. And chapter 2 and 3 are about the conducts of the church, how we ought to manage the affairs of the church, what its men and women should be known for, what the church should be doing together. And what Paul tells us is to build our lives with the gospel at the center, to put gospel at the center and to live our lives around that. The men should be known for their prayers. Women should be adorning themselves with good works and that there should be order in the church. So we'll go through this quickly since it's a communion Sunday as well. But how do church, what, what we do as a church is important. Uh, they are important for what they are. But actually, they take this particular importance because of the message of the gospel that's entrusted to us. This message of the gospel brings life, an eternal life, a life worth living now, and a life that will continue eternally in Christ Jesus. That's why what we do in the church is so important, and how we do them is of utmost importance as well. Because even during the time of the Old Testament, throughout the world, there were healers, people who healed people's physical bodies. But think about it, even in the, in, even in the Old Testament, uh, there were these healers, but in the times of the Old Testament, there was, the only, there was only one place that could deal with your sin. Only one place in the entire world, which was the temple in Jerusalem. There was the only one place where your sins could be forgiven. One place where you can go and know that God is there because God promised to be there, the temple in Jerusalem. And you can see how inadequate of a solution that was since God wants all people to be saved. God wants all people in all of the world to be saved. And there is no salvation in other gods. There's only one God and one mediator in Jesus. So at proper time, at the appointed time, God sent Jesus Christ. Uh, God became this uh, mediator between God and man since he, was God, he is God and man himself. And instead of animal sacrifices that cannot take away sins, he offers his body as sacrifice, as an atonement, as a ransom for all people. Once and for all, it takes away our sins. Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law, rose again, so that the only thing that is required from all of us, those who are sitting in Hong Kong or Ukraine or wherever else in the world, is only thing that we need to do to get our sins forgiven is to receive this message of the good news of Jesus by faith. That's all that is required to do. And that's why Jesus was sent. And this is why Paul is sent. He's called an apostle and a herald. Herald, An apostle is somebody who is sent. But what's he sent with? Well, he is also a herald. Herald is somebody who doesn't go and ordain more people or plant more temples or uh, churches even. A herald is somebody who tells 
the good news of Jesus, the finished works of Jesus. Herald is somebody who proclaims and speaks of the good news. That's what Paul was sent out to do. And you see in verse 8, therefore, men ought to pray. Therefore, I think that therefore is implied in all of the other commands here. Therefore, in chapters 2 and 3, therefore, women should adorn themselves with uh, good works. Therefore, there should be order in the church. There should, therefore, there should, uh, church should appoint uh, uh, leaders who are faithful and good. Therefore, the church should be praying for the whole world because we have this message that's entrusted to us and we want to hold out this message of the gospel to the world. That's why what we do here is important because we have a message that can bring life and life eternal for the whole world. Have you ever seen uh, this uh, show, Tidying Up?, Tidying up, Marie Kondo is an organizing consultant, and she helps people to sort of tidy up, uh, to get rid of things and live with less. I admit that I haven't actually seen the show, but <laughs> I think the organizing principle is this. Apparently, she goes and asks, well, does this piece of clothing spark joy? Because if it does, then you should keep it. If it, it doesn't, then you say, thank you, but I'm going to throw you away. That's the one organizing principle. Does it spark joy? Well, here, Paul is telling us this one organizing principle for the conduct of the church and how we ought to live our lives. Does it further the gospel? Does it further the gospel? Does it help the people of God to come to a deeper knowledge of God and to hold out its hope to the world? Does it do that? Because if it does, we should keep it. We should live our lives in that way. And if it doesn't, we should get rid of it. We should not live in that way. The church, this is the most important question. There are many other things to consider, but this is the most important question that we ought to consider. Does it further the gospel? And I hope we do that as a church, and I hope you do that in your life. As you think about how to live your lives, does it further the question? And that's, we, that's also why we ought to pray. I urge then, first of all, the petition, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, etc., that we might live like a peaceful and godly lives. Our Lord Jesus, it says, right? Paul says, is Lord over all people. There's one mediator, Jesus, and he wants all people to be saved. And so the task of the church is, is to pray, not just for the people of this church, not just for the illness of, this, of the people who are going through illness or needs of this church, but we should concern ourselves with others, uh, other churches in Hong Kong, other Christians around the world. We ought to be praying for all of their salvation. We ought to be praying people. And did you see the connection between praying for the kings and those in authority and the proclamation of the gospel? Because it is there, right? This is good, and it pleases God who wants all people to be saved. Well, why do we pray for kings and those in authority? Well, so that they could govern well, so that we could hold out the hope of the gospel well. Take Ukraine right now. Although God uses even 
evil, even terrible things to accomplish his own purpose, the fact is it's difficult for the gospel to prosper right now in Ukraine. People can't go out. People can't go out of their homes. People are worried about their safety and what they're going to eat. It's difficult for the gospel to go in right now. And in the first century, the reason why uh, the gospel was able to go all the way from Jerusalem, this little city, all the way to the ends of the earth, to uh, Rome and even to Spain uh, in the, by the end of the first century was because of the relative peace in the Roman Empire, because Paul was able to make use of, of the webs of, of roads and, and, and the ship lanes and because there was relative peace in the Roman Empire. So we pray for those in authority to keep peace, to preserve law and order, to punish evil and promote good. We ought to be praying for Mr. Lee, as uh, so I did, for President Tsi and pre presidents and those in authority around the world so that they would love God, that they would uphold justice, that they would, they would punish the evil, punish evil and promote what is good so that we could hold out the hope of the gospel so that we could do this work of proclaiming the gospel to the world. Church that is praying for the world and also men known for their prayers. Verse 8, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. As we'll see, this church was probably arguing and disputing. Um, probably over the heresy uh, that was taking place, maybe even role of women, as we might see here. But that church was fighting. That men are warned against anger and disputing isn't surprising because, I mean, we are kind of known for that, aren't we? The high testosterone, aggression, all those things. And actually, uh, this is something that I need to hear as well. I do have a, a sort of a, a, this problem with the anger that just comes out. What is uh, surprising, though, is what he says that men should be known for, for their praying hands, hands lifted up in prayer. Jewish men prayed like this, which is why in Anglican churches, well, you'll see a lot of the uh, priests, uh, the ministers, as they pray, they'll, hands, they'll, hand, uh, their, uh, they'll gesture their hand in this way. This is praying with their hands lifted. But, uh, you know, we don't, this is cultural, isn't it? I mean, you can stand when you pray, close your eyes, or, uh, uh, or open, prostrate, knelt down. There are many ways, many uh, ways to pray. The important thing is that he's urging men in the church to pray. Uh, how did you finish that sentence? Sha uh, men in Shatin Church are dot, dot, dot. Did any of you say are known for their prayers? Men who are dependent on God. Men who are pursuing God's will in their life and uh, in the church. St. Chrysostom of the 4th century wrote this of Prayer, the potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions. It has expelled demons. It has broken the chains of death. It has assuaged uh, diseases. It has rescued cities from destruction. It has stopped the sun from its course. It has arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. It is the most powerful thing that we can do because this puts us in contact with the most powerful being in the world, 
men of Shatin Church, can we pray? If you're leaders in the church, can we lead with our knee, uh, uh, on our knees praying? If you're a leader in a links group, you should be lifting up uh, your hands in prayer and lifting up the hands, uh, names of the people in your group. If you're heads of the family, you ought to be praying and serving uh, your family by praying for them. What would be good for the gospel, going back to the uh, organizing principle. What would be good for the gospel? Uh, to be a church that's filled with successful people who have gotten rose, risen to the top by any means possible and are successful, or men who are known to be leading by praying, by serving, by praying, by depending on God in all things. What would be better for the gospel? Now, how about women? If you go down to Newtown Plaza um, after the service today, well, you'll see lots of cosmetic stores, uh, handbag stores, and I'm pretty sure that they're not geared for me, that they are geared for more women. Because, you know, m women often pursue beauty and are, uh, are known or noticed for beauty more than men. So she, he says, I also want women to dress modestly, decency, propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds. And don't worry if you're wearing a pair of um, pearl earrings today. Because I think what's considered extravagant and controversial, you know, is cultural, right? If you go to a church in Shamshipo, that's what's considered sort of extravagant is different from maybe a church in Central. Uh, depending on the culture and places, what's extravagant or sort of controversial is sort of deter determined by context. And at this time, pearls were super expensive. Actually, the most expensive pearl, pair of uh, uh, per uh, pearls that were known, I think it, throughout history, it was the Pearl of Cleopatra. Pliny the Elder writes a story about how Cleopatra's pair of pearl earrings were worth 28 28.5 million U.S. dollars in today's dollars. 28.5 U.S. million dollars. And what Paul is saying, though, is instead of pursuing luxury, instead of uh, seeking to be noticed by our outward appearance, we should be seeking good deeds, adorning themselves with good deeds, that we should be seeking to do good. And when I read this to Mary, Mary immediately said, oh, that's women of Shatin Church. Women are known for their good deeds, pursuing good deeds in modesty. Doing, and and that, that is true. Most of the, a lot, I mean, many churches are like this, and Shatin Church is included. Much of church's ministry is done by women, <laughs> more than men. Uh, they pursue God and to, to the deeds uh, that are appropriate uh, for women who profess to worship God. Thank you for that. And let's continue to do that. What would be good for the gospel? Church full of women, beautifully dressed, bathed in luxury, are women of modesty pursuing good deeds for the sake of the gospel. And now... We come to the most contentious and difficult part of the letter, and maybe not this letter, not just this letter, but of the entire Bible, uh, verses 11 through 15. For the sake of the gospel, there must be order 
in the church. But let me start out, as Paul does, with the positive command, right? A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Here, women should learn. And that's revolutionary, isn't it? Right? In the Roman, Greek, and Jewish culture back then, women were not taught. They were not encouraged to learn. But here, Paul says women should learn. Quietness and full submission. It probably doesn't mean what you think it means either. It's jarring to the modern ears, but uh, this uh, quietness is the same word used in verse 2, in peace and quiet, right? So we might live peaceful and quiet lives. And so I think what this uh, probably means, it's probably better translated as they must learn in gentleness, without causing so much trouble and with teachable disposition. You know, people who are, can't learn things because they're always fighting and arguing what they're learning with gentleness and pe- teachable disposition. But the key, I think, to understanding this passage is to understand the context of the letter. Most likely, Paul is uh, preaching to this specific situation in Ephesus a church that is struggling with women, over-domineering women, who are muddling the order within the church. And that makes sense, if you think about it, of the instruction to women. You know, these are people who are wearing expensive clothes, who can afford pearl earrings and gold in the church. These are women of wealth and power coming into the church And uh, they are disrupting the order of church without having properly been trained, without uh, given properly the authority. And it doesn't help that Ephesus was known uh, for the cult of Diana, which is a female cult where women play the main role and also known as a bastion of feminine supremacy, as a, a commentator calls it. It's likely that women, these women were bringing their culture into the church. church. You know, women should do things in the world and in the church. Women should be presidents and chief executives and prime ministers these days. But within God's household, there is an order here. And this is the order that I think Paul wants to uh, affirm and reaffirm within the church, I mean, within the, within the house, the husband is the head. Not the kind of head that's domineering. Uh, not the head that abuses their authority. The kind of authority that lays down their life for their wives. That serves the wife self, in self-sacrificial way. Although women are equal in dignity at worth, at home, there is a difference in role. Uh, the, the, the husband is the head. But women in Ephesus were bringing their culture into the church and such order, they're ignoring it. Um, they're saying this doesn't matter or they're, uh, they're um, reversing God's order in this way. So Paul comes down hard in verse 12. I do not permit a woman or, uh, to teach or assume authority over a man. And I think in verse 12, this woman, as once again you'll see in NIV, uh, woman can be translated as wife and man can be translated as husband. I think that's what he means here. 
uh, I think it's in Chinese the same way. Xinjiang and Tai Tai, you know, husband and wife. I think it's the same way. Um, I think this is important because what he's saying is not that in church women shouldn't speak and have any authority in the church, but that uh, it, the, uh, the wife shouldn't assume that there is no order within husband and wife, that they should just ignore it. Apparently, this has happened to Rhoda. Uh, Rhoda has been dismissed, uh, not in our church, uh, but in a different church. You know, I don't have to listen to you because you're a woman. That shouldn't happen in any church, especially with people of authority, right? People with authority should be listening to others, even if that were, anyway, uh, that shouldn't happen. What Paul's arguing, I think here, is again, headship of the husband and thereby saying women shouldn't teach in a way that erases that distinction between husband and wife. And he gives three reasons in verses uh, 13 and on. One, argument from the creation. Adam was formed first. Eve came out of Adam. Adam is the source um, there, uh, and therefore the head of Eve. Argument from the fall, Eve was deceived, and that's just a fact. It's not that women are more uh, prone to deception than men, but women, uh, Eve was deceived, and husband's headship over the wife then should be maintained. Finally, argument from difference. I think this is um, the most difficult one. Verse 15, women will be saved through childbearing. Some people say that this is about how women will, as they give birth throughout the ages, they will eventually, Mary, will give birth to Jesus, who will save all of us. Some people, will, uh, some people say that this is about how God will save uh, women even through the pains of childbirth. What it doesn't mean that women are only good for childbearing or that all women should bear children. That's not what I don't think it's saying. I find uh, Pastor William Taylor from uh, St. Helens in, in, in London, his suggestion most convincing here. He says that uh, childbearing is singled out here because it's the thing that only women can do. It's the thing that really distinguishes men and women, right? And so what he's saying then is that women will be saved through, by, uh, they, they, they don't have to become a man. They don't, they don't have to usurp the authority of a man. That they don't have to pretend to be a man. That women can be saved, will be saved as women if they continue in faith, love, and holiness. Let me summarize here. Uh, in the Ephesian church, some wealthy women were coming and speaking and teaching in a way that ignored any sense of order, order within the households as well. That was erasing that sort of distinction. So in order to preserve and teach the idea of headship over uh, male headship in in a home, Paul tells women in Ephesus basically just not to speak, not to speak in the church because he wants to restore order at home, which starts in the church. But having said this, I don't think this is a command that should be extended to all churches because I don't think this is what Paul does in other churches or what we see in the Bible. I say this because in the Bible, women do have significant ministries, (laughs) ministries in the church and elsewhere. 
in the Old Testament, Miriam and Deborah prophesy, and they lead uh, the, uh, the Israelites. In the Old Testament, prophet Joel spoke of a day when sons and daughters will prophesy, and that's fulfilled in uh, the Pentecost when men and women both prophesy. Philip's daughters prophesy. Priscilla, the able wife of Aquila, when they're often mentioned together, and Priscilla often comes first. Priscilla and Aquila, it says, um, because most likely Priscilla had a more significant gospel ministry than her husband. Phoebe, who is a deacon, receives a letter from Paul to be carried to Rome. He, she read the letter. She probably explained the letter to the church in Rome. Junia, mentioned in Romans chapter 16, is most likely a woman and most likely called an apostle. Women in Corinth are permitted to pray and to teach, not out of order, but as they recognize the headship, um, as they recognize proper order and authority. Now, having said all of this, I just want you to know, once again, this is a controversial text, and you don't have to agree with me um, about how to interpret this section, because it has been interpreted differently uh, by many smarter and more godly uh, people. But I hope this much is clear. If a church is disorderly, if a church, maybe even things like this, argues over things like this that are really, I think, legitimately open to interpretation and not at the center of what the gospel is, if we do it in a, if we argue over it, and if we do it in a way uh, that is not godly, it will not advance the gospel. Once again, let's go back to the organizing principle. What furthers gospel? That there should be order that there should be order at home, that there should be order in the church, that we should worship and live in a way that, that, that shows a proper peace and order here, that we can hold out the hope of the gospel to the world. So we must pray that the church will be exactly that. So let's pray for each other. Let's continue to pray for the world. Let's continue to pray for the church for our men to be known for their hands lifted high in prayers, for our women to be known for our good deeds. And may Shatin Church be a church of unity and order so that people may continue to hear the good news of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as Paul, I mean, as Peter said, these are hard teaching. So, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to receive these words as your word, the word of God spoken to them and to us, and help us to pursue this truth that we might live it out, that we might live according to your will, but not just for our sake, for our lives to be orderly or anything like that, but for our lives to be a, a, a place where the gospel shines out, uh, that we might live and enjoy the goodness of the gospel, and we might be p a people who can hold out the hope of the gospel to the world. Lord, there is one God and one mediator, Jesus this good news of Jesus, uh, good news that he died as a ransom for all people. Lord, in all that we do as men and women and as Shatin Church, may that good news of Jesus shine out. Lord, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.